So we're, today we're talking about the eternal family of the Father, and uh, I, I made that name on purpose because uh, families are forever is, a, is an important phrase here in Utah. Uh, and why, why is talking about family so important? This is an important subject because this is God's design. And so we want to see not just what his design is in the flesh and blood, but what the design is for eternity. What is the spiritual design for family? So let's look at the scripture. It's Mark 3, 31 through 35. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. And then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, speak to our souls today about this concept of the spiritual family of God, this eternal family, this profound mystery that we see throughout the entire Bible and then we see culminating in the book of Revelation, a family that if we know Christ, we are a part of. And Lord, you've called us to function within it. And so I pray that you would lead us forward in this understanding, open our eyes, soften our hearts that that we could hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here, what do we see in this section? We see that, that Jesus is still teaching. He's been teaching for a while. Uh, Pastor Kelly, Pastor Jody have both uh, spoken on, on a lot of, of what Jesus has spoken of already. And the fact that the people are sitting implies that they are being taught right now. So this is a major discourse of Christ. Sitting in this home, it is packed out and, and he is teaching. And then Jesus' mother and brothers come to him. And they're outside because they can't get in. It's too crowded. And so someone decides, hey, you know, this is kind of like royalty. They're really important people. Let's see if we can get them in. Let's see if, let's see if, let's make sure Jesus knows about this. And so Someone goes in and says, your mother and brothers are here. And that person is kind of expecting, oh, Jesus is going to get up. And, you know, these people are important. I'm going I'm to get up and I'm going to go talk with them. But Jesus, in the fashion that he always does, doesn't he always surprise us? In, in that fashion, he comes in. He, he has something important to teach us, to proclaim to us, to speak to us so that we understand this eternal picture of family. And so he really shocks the people when he says, who are my mother and my brother? I mean, can can you just imagine that? It just sounds like you're kind of dissing them, huh? But that's not what he's doing at all. He's trying to make a, a dynamic point about a kingdom principle, which is God's eternal family. Now, Kelly talked about our identity, that we would rest in him. And, and Jody talked about uh, dealing with the division in, in, in the family, that, it, that it, would, it would cause the family to destruct. So it's not a surprise that Jesus is still speaking to us about family. He's done it several times throughout this discourse. And so now he wants to bring out the full teaching 
the full understanding of what family is in his eyes in a spiritual sense. It's interesting, in our society, family is looked upon a certain way and uh, it's held up and, and oftentimes it's held up above God. Right? Yes? It is. It's held up above God sometimes in our society. It's, it's honored above who God is and above his spiritual family. So we really, when Jesus brings this up, he wants to bring things into perspective. He wants to overturn their expectations of what God is talking and thinking about regarding family. Who are my mother and my brothers? He's not denying his mom and his brothers. He wants to make a point, and he loves to get our attention. He loves to get our attention. That's exactly what he's doing. And he's talking about this new relationship, which is not natural. It is spiritual. It's spiritual. It's not outward. It's inward. It's a spiritual family that God has brought us into. Israel's attitude about lineage is, is, is pretty well known. Israel, uh, you know, knew that it was, it was through Abraham's offspring that the world would be blessed. And so what happens is that Israel holds on to that. It's the DNA. If you have the DNA of, of Abraham, then, then you are Jewish, that you are following God. Well, that doesn't work, does it? Because there's something else that needs to happen in order for you to follow God. But, you know, Ancestry.com says that if you have Jewish blood, then you're Jewish, then you're, you're a God follower. But Jesus is making a very serious point about this. He's making a spiritual point that we need to look at and understand. And that is, is that the DNA that God is talking about is a spiritual DNA, not a physical DNA. You can't rely on the fact that you grew up in church to make yourself a Christian, right? I always love the example of, you know, just because you're in McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. Or In-N-Out. I like In-N-Out better. Who are my mother and my brother's? And Israel claimed to be God's family through descent. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 8, we see that the Jews are demanding that Abraham is our father. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, Abraham's not your father. The devil's your father because you're not obeying God. So what is the obedience of God that, that brings us into his family? In John 6, They replied, we want to perform God's works. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Faith is the DNA. Faith is the spiritual DNA that brings us into God's family. This is a profound mystery that we would understand that God brings us into his family, adopts us into his family because of our faith in him. This is gene editing. There's a lot of gene editing going on now. Did you see that in China? They're editing 
children now. It's crazy. But this is God's gene editing, taking us from where we were broken, hopeless. The Bible says that without God, we have no hope in the world. Without, with, without God's life, we are dead. And he edits our genes to make us a part of his family. Is that incredible or what? We are a part of his family. He is our father. And we are his children. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That's spiritual gene editing. We are a new creation in Christ. Come on, that's awesome, isn't it? There's nothing like being a new creation. You know, it's not that we just have an overlay of God in our lives. We have been gene edited by God himself with new DNA and God's power, God's love, God's promises lives in us. What a thrill that is. We are new in him. Now, let's look at Jesus' attitude about family because you might think after I just shared that, that God has a negative attitude about family and he doesn't. Family was his design. Family was his invention. And so we want to kind of understand it from that. He respected his earthly family. You know, when he was 12, they went to Jerusalem and, and, and they were worshiping the Lord there. And as, as they left, and when he got home, it says in, in Luke 2, that he went down to Nazareth with them, his parents, and was obedient to them. So Jesus was obedient to his parents. That's good because it's a, one of the 10, right? One of the 10 commandments. Jesus was obedient to his parents. He respected family and respected and loved his parents. Mary asked him to make wine. Did he do it? He obeyed his parents. And then, of course, Mary is at the cross there, you know, and he's seeing, she's seeing her son, just the life coming out of his body. And Jesus says to her, John, this is your mother. Mother, this is your son. Taking care of her, watching over her, protecting her. Jesus affirms family in every way. His father established family. He invented family. What a powerful tool to bring life and love and investment. And also, an important part of this is that family is something to point us towards God's eternal family. And that's what we're looking at today. He also understood the heavenly family. Jesus did. You know, uh, in that same discourse where, where Jesus is in Jerusalem with his parents, they were looking for him everywhere, right? They couldn't find him. And what did Jesus say? I must be in my father's house. He understood that n- not only does he have an earthly father and an earthly mother, he has a heavenly father, and he is a part of a heavenly household. In our society today, that's something that is not really looked upon. We are so independent. 
in the way we live our lives. But the design of God is family and his eternal family. It would be easy to look at the eternal family and think, oh, that invalidates the earthly family. Or it'd be easy to look at the earthly family and say, this is the ultimate goal. Neither of those are right. It's both and. The earthly family is of utmost importance to God and the heavenly family as well. And where we find ultimately our ultimate fulfillment. In Genesis, God designed marriage as the center of the family and kids as a welcome part. Sometimes we think that that kids should be the center of the family, right? It's the marriage. The marriage is always the center. And then out of that flows blessing to kids. I want to encourage you that are married, that, that you would invest in your marriage. It's the most important earthly relationship there is. Invest in your marriage so that everything else will, will find blessing and the blessing will flow from that relationship. So everything is pointing towards that family. Everything is pointing towards that spiritual family. And of course, in, in Revelation 19, we see this amazing picture of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Just to confirm, in case you, in case you thought, well, maybe family's not that important, look at the end of the book and see that it is a family event that will last for eternity that is the picture in Revelation 9. This wonderful, wonderful picture of, of the celebration of the, of the marriage of the Lamb of God to his bride, which is what? The church. the church, the heavenly family. So I thought I'd show you a couple pictures here. This is, uh, this is our wedding right here. Don't we? Uh, I haven't aged at all, have I? <laughs> Cynthia looks ravishing. And then uh, go to the next ones. This is, this is us just having a ball at our first dance. Isn't that cool? I love that. And this is kind of hard to tell, but this is uh, the chair dance. You know, in, in Jewish weddings, both the bride and the groom get lifted up on, on chairs. The men lift up the groom and the women lift up the bride and they do a dance. And it's this great celebration. That's why I put these pictures up for you. It's a celebration what's going to happen in Revelation. And it, what is it? It's a marriage. It is a family event. It is the, the peak of family events is a marriage. And it's going to be something that we experience for eternity. We're going to all be in that chair dance. How many of you want to be on that? We're all going to have the joy much more than this. But I think it's a good example. I mean, we're having a blast here. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what she told me, but she, she told me a joke, I think. That's what it's all about, you guys. The marriage supper of the Lamb. It is the consummation of this incredible family that God has put together. Jesus designed our earthly families for blessing to teach us and point us toward eternity in the Father's family. Imagine what that's like. How wonderful that is. And we'll talk a little about if you had a bad family experience growing up or even now. Because that can really affect 
are embracing the spiritual family, don't you think? Yes. I think you can. Galatians 3 says this, In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. Also, since you are Christ's family, then you are Abraham's famous descendants, heirs according to the covenant promises. Thousands of years ago, God told Abraham the world would be blessed because of your descendants. We are those descendants. We are famous. We've been talked about for thousands of years. Give yourself a high five. That's pretty cool. How awesome is that, that, that we are part of Christ's family? And we'll talk about some of the benefits of that in just a minute. This is God's family tree, you guys. He's making himself a family, starting with Abraham, a man of faith, a people of faith. It's not physical DNA. It's spiritual DNA, this family. In Romans 9, it says this, It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who descended from Israel are Israel. Doesn't really make sense uh, if you read it at first glance, but what Paul is trying to say here is, is, is that the spiritual family of God isn't based on physical DNA. Those that came from Israel physically are not necessarily those who are the spiritual Israel nor because they are descendants. They are all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children of physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. We are Abraham's offspring. We're a part of this incredible family that started with Abraham. God wanted to create a family, restore uh, mankind, and he did it through Abraham. He said that your, off, that your offspring will bless the whole world. Everyone will be touched by what your offspring does. And that is a spiritual offspring, an offspring of faith DNA, not physical DNA. God calls out those who believe to be in his eternal family. 1 John 3 says this, See what a great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. We are children of God, you guys. God lavished his love upon us. Do you sense that love today? Because God so very much wants to pour out his love into your heart. Lavished, what a great word. Paul is great with words. Lavished his love upon us that he left nothing back. He poured it all out on the cross for us that we could be forgiven of our sins and enter into a reconciled relationship with God and his eternal family. Thrilling. There's nothing better than this. This is it. This is the end of all ends. This is the consummation of everything, is that we would be in relationship with God himself. I want to go in a little of of, um, 
some of the benefits of, of the eternal family. First of all, the Father's eternal family provides identity. We are God's children. What an incredible identity that is, amen? We're not only, we're, we're not only children in the family. We are we're brothers and sisters. We are all a part of it. It's not like, and it's very easy in, in our independent American society to think, well, I'm God's child and I'm going to relate as an only child to God. No, Jesus was the one and only, right? We are, we're children. We're children of God and we are brothers and sisters because of that. 1 Corinthians 12 says this, Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. We are all a part of the body of Christ. We all need to hear from God what Jesus heard from God in Luke chapter 2. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. He hadn't done a stinking thing yet. He hadn't done not. He did nothing but God was speaking to him as he wants to speak to us. You are my son. You are my daughter. I am so pleased with you. And you know, the devil hates that. The devil hates when we understand our identity because that means that we actually walk in it. We walk in our identity. Those that know that they are a child of God and that God loves them and is pleased with them walk in a different way. Yes? yes? But what did the devil do? In the next scene, we see the devil questioning Jesus' identity three times. If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, he questions it. Don't question your identity. You are Christ's brother and sister. You are the Father's child. Don't question it. Understanding that identity is so very important. It is one of the biggest issues with trying to be set free from things in this world. I want to encourage you. You can walk in this freedom if you know who you are. God speaks it to you. He wants to speak it to you. I would pursue that. If you've never heard God say it, I would pursue asking him to speak to you about who you are to him. The Father's eternal family provides security. Acts 20, it talks about, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Then it goes on to describe that the devil's out there and he wants, to, he wants to nail us. The wolf goes after which one? The weakest, the one. The one that got separated is the one that the devil goes after. It's as we gather as a church that we find in the power of the Holy Spirit, the unity of the Spirit, that we find strength, that we find protection. You know, I was, I was in the back there and, and when we were praying for, for healing for people, I saw like four or five people come over to the person that I was praying for and, and, and just covering. It was such a beautiful picture of the family of God covering this person, protecting this person, praying for this person. That's the security. The Father's eternal family provides healing. Hagar was a single mom very unloved, very unwanted in society, rejected, 
and sent out into the wilderness by a jealous wife. And Abraham let it happen. Not too smart on his part. And as she was there, and as she was suffering and thinking that there is, there, there is nothing for me in this world, God came up to her. And God spoke to her and spoke to her about her son. And then she responded with naming God, the first naming of God. He is the God who sees me. The God who sees me. Healing in our life comes when first we understand that God is the God who sees us. Do you know that he sees you? He sees your fears. He sees your issues. He sees your sense of humor, your effort. He sees you as a person. He sees your nature, your character, and he loves you. He loves you. Psalm 68 says, God sets the lonely in families. The lonely in families. And that's what he does. Chris, where are you? Come on up. I asked Chris Belchick to come up and share a little about, about this very subject. We don't have it on yet. There it is isn't exactly the subject you told me we were talking about. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> that explains why. This morning, I was asking the Lord, okay, what am I going to say? And I got out some old journals, and um, I read through those, and I thought, no, this, isn't, I, this is not going to help me at mm -hmm. all. So, but I kept reading, and it happened to be my birthday, and it was... I was 57, so it's been a while, and um, I was pouring my heart out to the Lord about how empty I was and how alone I was, and that um, I was hidden. This year, he gave me that word, hidden, no more, finally, after how many years, and um, I, I just poured it out. It was two pages long of how I'm empty of this. I... I don't even have my own thoughts anymore. I have no creativity anymore. I, I'm just destitute. And I just continued on with him of how, how much that I was empty and I needed him. And I also thanked him that he was with me because I knew he was with me. But that didn't negate the feelings that I was feeling, that I was so empty, I was so alone and unseen. That was another word that he used, unseen. Mm. And um, as I continued writing and I continued turning all of that into praise to him and thanking him that I knew, although that's how I felt, I knew that I was not alone. I knew he was with me. Amen. I knew he saw me. Mm. I knew he was working in me and I knew he would never, ever, ever let me go. I knew those things. And then... As I continued on reading, I said, today's my birthday, and I think I, finished, I think I finished it at the end of the day, and it was like, here I was. It was my birthday. I did not want to celebrate my birthday. Hmm. I was not happy. I did not want to do any of that. And then at the end of the day, it was, 
it was praising out to the Lord because I named off all the people that had come over and surprised me with a birthday party. Hmm. All of the love that I had received, I named off every person that had called me. I had 12 people that called me that day hmm. or sent a card just to tell me that they loved me. And it was just such, it was, it was from the Lord. Hmm. It was just from the Lord. Hmm. So he sees us. He knows us, and we're part of the family. And mm -hmm. we have our brothers and sisters around us to be there for us. Mm -hmm. But we have to let them in. We can't just be our own little island. And it used to be that I would come into church and I would leave sometimes feeling lonelier than when I came in. And it wasn't because I wasn't loved, but it was because I was empty inside and I didn't have anything to give to anybody else, mm -hmm. but I was expecting others to, to minister to me. When it's really God in here, no matter what we're doing, ministering back to our brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. because it's not all just receiving, it's mm -hmm. giving. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you. So we're not alone, we're not unseen, and God blessed Hagar, and he has blessed me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. She used that phrase, not alone. That's her group, her small group, her community group. I want to encourage you guys. That, that's, it's not there just so we have another time to meet. Community groups and, and serving together, that's all a part of engaging in the family. Could you imagine being in a spiritual family and never doing the dishes? doesn't make sense. It's doing the dishes that grows you and strengthens you. It's reaching out and thinking of someone else on their birthday that changes you from someone who's only thinking about you, which is, let's just confess, we all do, right? You all think about me, right? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But we think about ourselves first, but... When we're in this spiritual family, we have this opportunity to think about others first, prefer one another above ourselves. I just want to talk about one dysfunction, and then we're going to close. So we can have uh, whoever's going to finish with music come on up. But you know, to be a part of this family, there's, uh, there, there are things that can stop us. And, and one of the things is... Spiritual attachment disorder. It's like a, a family of ours, good friends of ours. They, they were so thrilled to be able to adopt a teenager. Actually, she wasn't a teenager then. She was probably about six or seven. And they adopted this little girl. They loved this little girl. They, they cared for this little girl. It started with, um, you know, uh, doing just through supervised things through the state, and eventually it became an adoption. I remember going to that adoption hearing at the, at the courthouse. These guys were close to us, and we were praying for it the whole time. But this little girl was left alone most of her childhood. She was barely touched as a child. And because of that, she, she didn't know how to attach there was pain in her life and she didn't know that what she was getting from this family that adored her and loved her and spent money and hours and love and time and energy on her was a good thing. She didn't see it that way. 
It was PTSD, like in overtime for her. She didn't know what to do. And so she started pushing back. You ever know somebody like that? You, you kind of reach into them to tell them how much you love them, and maybe they don't push, but maybe their responses kind of make you feel like, well, I, I don't think they, they really want to experience that type of love and intimacy. I think we have a lot of people in church today, a lot of people in this world today, that have attachment disorder in relationships. And God wants to do a miracle in that. I truly believe. So why don't we stand right now and we're going we're gonna to pray and, and ask God to do a miracle in people's hearts. Having this incredible family to be a part of starts with something essential. In order to become a part of this family, you don't have to do a thing. You just have to accept the grace of God, which is God's favor, God's forgiveness, not by your works, not by anything you do. Just receive it. Receive the grace of God, God's forgiveness. And I just want to give opportunity, if there's anyone here, anyone here who wants to enter into this family, this, this family of life, this family of love, this family that truly is the eternal family, with God the Father, the best Father, the most perfect Father, being our Father. I want to give you that opportunity. Would you just raise your hand if, if you want to give your, your life to the Lord? You want to ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Is there anyone here? Yeah, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. There's some people raising their hands, so what I'd like to do is let's, uh, church, let's, family, let's, let's pray with them as they say this prayer. Could you guys repeat this with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross so that I could be forgiven of my sins and enter in to an eternal relationship with God and with his family. Thank you that this family will bring healing and wholeness and purpose as we love and care for one another. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask you to be the leader of my life and my father. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give another opportunity for those that have really struggled to connect in with the body of Christ, the family of God. This is God's design for our healing. This is God's design for our fulfillment, our release, understanding who we are. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the body of Christ speaking into my life who I am by the power of God. It's very easy to think that it could be you and Jesus. 
in a relationship. And yes, that is the primary relationship, you and God. But God's family is an essential part of God's plan to bring fullness and life and healing and grace to each one of us. And if, if you've been holding back for whatever reason, whatever reason, maybe you've been hurt by the church, that happens. Families can hurt each other, right? Or, or maybe you, you just are uncomfortable with the fact that you might have to participate in, in something outside of your own agenda. God wants to bring healing to you and wants to, you to recognize that you are grafted into the most amazing family that will last for eternity. Let's pray. Lord God, we just pray for those right now that are, that are struggling with this and they think, no, I could, I could have my relationship with God and I don't want this messiness, and it is. I don't want this possible pain and the possibility is there. I don't want somebody else's thoughts and ideas to be, to, to be something that I have to address. But we do as we mature and as we grow. I pray, God, that you would draw people into the family of God and that you would allow us to all be who you have called us to be. And like in John 17, because of our love, because of our unity, the world would know that you are the risen Christ, that you are the King of kings, Lord of lords, that you are the healer, that you are the Father of fathers. And we give this to you, Lord. We commit, Lord. If, if we've been far away from your family, we commit to make, take a step to move back in. In Jesus' name, amen.